everyone, and welcome to today's episode of the Dazon Digest. I'm April Dyer, a liaison clinical pharmacist with Dazon, and I will be your host for today's episode. The title of this episode is Neurotoxicity versus Nephrotoxicity, a look at the comparative safety of cefepime and piperacillin tazobactam in adults hospitalized with acute infection. And we will be discussing an article published in JAMA Online on October 14th, 2023, entitled Cefepime versus Piperacillin tazobactam in adults hospitalized with acute infection, the ACORN randomized clinical trial. We are sharing this episode on Friday, November 3rd, 2023. As stewards, we know that all antibiotic use puts patients at risk for adverse events. In fact, a publication from the National Institutes of Health in April 2018 stated that antibiotics were implicated in 13.7% of all estimated adult ED visits for adverse drug events, and some studies cite even higher percentages. Today, we are going to discuss adverse events in hospitalized adults with infections associated with two of our most commonly prescribed antipsychotic antibiotics, cefepime and piperacillin tazobactam. In recent years, the FDA warned that piperacillin tazobactam in combination with vancomycin may increase risk of acute kidney injury. This warning causes providers to question the antibiotic's role in therapy, particularly as an empiric agent for sepsis, where it is often give, given in combination with IV vancomycin. This warning was based on a meta-analysis of observational studies that noted greater incidence of AKI with odds ratios up to 3.6 and an absolute AKI increase of 22.2% compared to 12.9% with comparators. The November 2022 Days on Newsletter on Navigating Nephrotoxicity goes into more detail on this topic and noted that there is likely an interaction between piperacillin tazobactam and vancomycin, but based on literature at that time, it was still unclear if this combination alone increases a patient's risk of nephrotoxicity. The newsletter encouraged stewards to be mindful of other factors that can cause renal toxicity, such as other nephrotoxins, supertherapeutic vancomycin levels, or pre-existing renal disease. Observational studies have also reported an association between cefepime and neurotoxicity that range from agitation to coma. This is the first randomized clinical trial to compare whether the risks of AKI or neurologic dysfunction differ between cefepime and piperacillin tazobactam. The trial was a pragmatic, open-label, parallel group, randomized trial to compare the safety of cefepime versus piperacillin tazobactam in adult patients who were admitted to the ED or ICU at Vanderbilt University Medical Center between November 10, 2021 and October 7, 2022. The inclusion criteria were adults aged 18 and older who were started on one of the study drugs in either the ED or ICU within 12 hours of hospital presentation. Patients were excluded if they had received more than one dose of an antipsychotic cephalosporin or penicillin seven days prior, were incarcerated, or if the clinician felt that one of the two drugs was preferential for treating the patient. A tool was built in the Electronic Health Record, or EHR, to screen patients for eligibility and flag clinicians about study enrollment. This software also assigned patients to either piperacillin tazobactam or cefepime using a one-to-one -one randomization model and recommended a dose and frequency based on the patient's estimated GFR. The standardized dosing for cefepime used at the hospital was two grams IV push over five minutes every eight hours and piperacillin tazobactam 3.375 gram IV bolus over 30 minutes 
followed by extended infusion of 3.375 grams IV every eight hours over four hours for additional doses. Treatment duration was left up to the prescribing clinician, as well as whether or not to administer additional antibiotics, such as vancomycin or metronidazole. Pharmacists perform drug-level monitoring for IV vancomycin. If the clinician discontinued the assigned antibiotic or ordered the unassigned antibiotic for seven days after enrollment, the EHR sent an automated alert to remind them of the trial and recorded the reason for the therapy change. Data were collected as part of routine care and extracted electronically from the EHR. There are data collected on demographics, diagnoses, pre-enrollment kidney function, medication administration, vital signs, laboratory values, microbiologic cultures, organ support therapies, sequential organ failure assessment or SOFA scores, confusion assessment method for the ICU or CAM ICU score, Richmond agitation sedation scale score, Glasgow coma scale score, dates of admission, transfer and discharge, and vital status at hospital discharge. The hospital recorded the RAS and Glasgow coma scores every 12 hours, and the CAM ICU score was completed every 12 hours for patients in the ICU. The hospital recorded the Richmond Agitation Sedation Scale score and Glasgow coma scores every 12 hours, and the CAM ICU was completed every 12 hours for patients in ICU. Study personnel determined whether or not sepsis was present on enrollment by using the sepsis three criteria. They also adjudicated the presumed source of infection, whether kidney replacement therapy or KRT had been received, and the indication for KRT. The study's primary outcome was the highest stage of AKI or death arising between randomization and day 14, measured on a five-level ordinal scale. The kidney disease improving global outcomes criteria for creatinine level were used to define the stages of AKI. On the ordinal scale, patients were given a score of zero if they survived and did not experience new or worsening AKI, one if they experienced stage one AKI, defined as a creatinine level 1.5 to 1.9 times baseline, or increase of 0.3 milligrams per deciliter in creatinine. A score of two if they experienced stage two AKI, defined as a creatinine level two to 2.9 times baseline. A score of three if they experienced stage three AKI, defined as creatinine level greater than or equal to three times baseline, or AKI with a creatinine level of four or higher, and a score of four if the patient died to account for the risk of death. Baseline creatinine was determined by giving priority to creatinine values obtained in the year prior to hospitalization as compared to the in-hospital measurements obtained prior to enrollment. Estimated values were used when no pre-enrollment measurements were available. For patients with AKI at enrollment, New AKI was defined as a creatinine level at least 0.3 milligrams per deciliter greater than the lowest prior creatinine level since enrollment. Patients with prior KRT could not experience AKI and received a value of zero if they survived and four if they died. There were two pre-specified secondary outcomes. The first was the proportion of patients who experienced a major adverse kidney event at day 14, which was measured as a composite of death, new KRT, or persistent kidney dysfunction, defined as a final inpatient creatinine level that it was at least two times the baseline level. This outcome was censored at hospital discharge or 14 days after enrollment, whichever came first. The other secondary outcome was the number of days alive and free of delirium and coma within 14 days, defined as the number of calendar days in this time period that a patient was alive 
without a positive CAM-ICU score or a Richmond Agitation Sedation score of negative 4 or negative 5. This endpoint was also censored at hospital discharge. The trial was initially designed to enroll 2,050 patients to provide an 80% statistical power to detect an odds ratio of 0.65 in the primary analysis. This was adjusted when, at interim analysis, 75% of patients in the trial population were receiving vancomycin, and concurrent use of this agent with piperacil and tazobactam is hypothesized to lead to AKI. Recommended sample size was adjusted to 2,500 patients based on the calculation that it would provide 92% statistical power to detect an odds ratio of 0.75 in the primary analysis. The primary analysis included all patients who received one dose of either cefepime or piperacillin-tazobactam, and patients were analyzed in the group to which they were assigned. Trial groups for the primary analysis were compared using unadjusted proportional odds regression model, with between-group differences expressed as unadjusted odds ratio and 95% confidence intervals, where values less than 1 indicated lower odds of AKI or death with cefepime as compared to piperacillin-tazobactam. Unadjusted logistic regression model was used to compare major adverse kidney events between groups, and unadjusted proportional odds regression model was used to compare groups for days alive and free of delirium and coma. As part of the secondary analysis, a multivariable proportional odds regression model was used to perform an adjusted analysis of the primary outcome, looking at agent, sex, baseline creatinine, prior KRT, vasopressor use, receipt of mechanical ventilation, SOFA score, presumed infection source, and location of enrollment. Secondary outcomes had adjusted analyses performed with similar variables. There were also additional pre-specified sensitivity analyses, including 1. Analysis of all enrolled patients, including those who never received either agent. 2. An analysis of patients who received either agent for more than 48 hours. 3. An analysis of race being removed as a variable for the creatinine calculation for patients, without measure of creatinine level prior to current illness. Four, analysis restricted to patients with creatinine level measured prior to hospitalization. And five, an analysis with only pre-illness creatinine used as baseline creatinine. If data were missing for secondary or exploratory outcomes, a complete case review was performed and cases that were missing data were excluded for the analyzed outcome. The Data Safety and Monitoring Board performed a plan interim analysis after 1,025 patients were enrolled. Our version 4.4.2 was used for statistical calculations. So now let's discuss the results. Among the 3,806 patients who met inclusion criteria, 1,172, or 30.8%, were excluded, and the remaining 2,634 patients, or 69.2%, were enrolled. Of the enrolled patients, some patients were excluded from analysis for the following reasons. Four patients were incarcerated, and 119 did not receive either cefepime or piperacillin-tazobactam in the first seven days after enrollment. This left 2,511 patients to be included in the primary analysis. Of these patients, the median age was 58, and 94.7% were enrolled in the ED, with a median time from hospital presentation to enrollment of only 1.2 hours. Sepsis was very common among enrolled patients and present in 54.2% of patients, with intra-abdominal and pulmonary suspected infection sources being the most common. A total of 1,214 patients in the cefepime group and 1,297 patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group were included in the primary analysis. 
During the 14-day enrollment, 95.1% of patients in the cefepime group and 98.4% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group received at least one dose of the assigned drug. The assigned antibiotic was received for a median of three days. Notably, there was some crossover in antibiotic use, with 18.8% of patients in the cefepime group receiving at least one dose of piperacillin-tazobactam and 17.2% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group receiving at least one dose of cefepime. 7% of patients in the cefepime group and 7.1% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group received other broad-spectrum agents, most commonly aminoglycosides or carbapenems. IV vancomycin was also commonly used and present in 77.6% of patients in the cefepime group and 76.9% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group at enrollment. In the first 14 days, at least one dose of IV vancomycin was received by 82.7% of patients in the cefepime group and 80.9% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group. The median duration of IV vancomycin was two days. The highest stage of AKI or death did not significantly differ between agents. Of the primary analysis patients, 75% in the cefepime group and 73.4% in the piperacillin-tazobactam group did not die or experience any stage of AKI. 7.1% of cefepime patients and 7.7% of piperacillin-tazobactam patients experienced stage 1 AKI. 3.4% of cefepime patients and 5.4% of piperacillin-tazobactam patients experienced stage 2 AKI. 7% of cefepime patients and 7.5% of piperacillin-tazobactam patients experienced stage 3 AKI. Results were similar between groups in the adjusted analyses and all pre-specified sensitivity analyses, including all patients in the intent-to-treat arm who received at least 48 hours of one of these antibiotics. Post-hoc analyses were also similar, including analyses that were limited to patients who received at least 72 or 96 hours of antipsychotic therapy, an analysis of patients who had AKI, and an analysis of patients who were receiving KRT at enrollment. The secondary outcome of major adverse kidney events at day 14 was experienced by 10.2% of cefepime patients and 8.8% of piperacillin-tazobactam patients. Patients in the cefepime group experienced fewer days alive and free of delirium and coma within 14 days compared to patients receiving piperacillin-tazobactam, with 20.8% of patients in the cefepime group experiencing this outcome as compared to 17.3% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group. This trial also looked at some exploratory outcomes. The group did not differ with regards to the highest stage of AKI or death by day 7 or major adverse kidney events by day 7. Death by day 28 was similar, impacting 8.6% of patients in the cefepime group and 8.2% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group. Kidney replacement therapy was initiated by day 28 in 3.9% of patients in the cefepime group and 2.3% of patients in the piperacillin-tazobactam group. Prior to this study, there were conflicting data on piperacillin-tazobactam and AKI. Some studies found increased risk for AKI in patients receiving piperacillin-tazobactam in combination with IV vancomycin, which led to an FDA warning that co-administration of these two agents may lead to AKI. In this randomized trial, the authors did not demonstrate increased AKI risk with piperacillin-tazobactam as compared to cefepime when used with IV vancomycin. We know that cefepime crosses the blood-brain barrier and has been associated with neurotoxicity, such as coma, delirium, encephalopathy, and seizures. 
This has been noted to be more common in patients with reduced renal function and those with disruptions of the blood-brain barrier, such as sepsis. In this study, cefepime modestly increased the risk of neurological dysfunction in hospitalized patients by 0.3 days. The trial design has several strengths. It was a large, randomized trial that was embedded in the electronic health record and reflects real-world care. Patients were enrolled quickly, most within one hour of hospitalization, to minimize prior antimicrobial exposure. The randomization balanced baseline characteristics and concealed group assignment until after enrollment to prevent selection bias. The sample size was large enough to evaluate treatment effect, and 1,939 patients received concurrent IV vancomycin at enrollment. There are also some important limitations to discuss relating to this trial. First, it is a single-center study, which may limit its generalizability. Also, participants were not blinded to the study medications, so there could have been some bias in monitoring for adverse events. The rates of adverse events were similar in the post-hoc analysis when adjusting for receipt of sedation at enrollment, baseline delirium and coma, and using alternate definitions of delirium and coma. There was significant crossover of antibiotics received, about 19% in the cefepime group and 17% in the piperacillin-tazobacterium group, which may have introduced type 2 error. Fourth, pre-illness creatinine was missing for some patients. However, 99% of patients had a creatinine available prior to or at study enrollment, and the analyses of patients with available measurements did not differ. Fifth, the study outcome assessment was censored at hospital discharge. Also, patients received short courses of antibiotics with a median of three days of either study agent. However, analyses did not reveal differences for patients who received longer courses of therapy. The trial did not collect information on myclonus, agitation, or seizures, which may also be attributed to neurologic dysfunction. Also, the trial looked at two drugs and two safety outcomes, which could increase the chance for type 1 error. The editorial on this article, published by Tong and colleagues, best describes the additional limitations related to medication dosing. The dosing used in this article may not reflect the most common clinical practices at hospitals. Piperacillin tazobactam was administered as 3.375 grams IV every eight hours infused over four hours, and higher doses of 3.375 grams to 4.5 grams IV every six hours over 30 to 240 minutes may be used at other hospitals because CLSI testing bases clinical breakpoints on these doses. Notably, cefepime was administered as 2 grams rapid IV push every 8 hours, as opposed to continuous or intermittent infusion. The combination of these two things may have lowered the risk of AKI with piperacillin tazobactam by giving lower doses of this drug and also increased neurotoxicity risks by administering cefepime rapid IV push. Overall, I commend the authors of this randomized trial that addresses an important concern related to antihistamonal agent use in hospitalized patients with acute infections. It is the highest quality evidence to date to indicate that there is no difference in the incidence of AKI with piperacillin tazobactam plus vancomycin as compared to cefepime plus vancomycin. It also reminds us that neurotoxicity is a concern with cefepime, showing a difference of 0.3 days alive and free of delirium and coma within 14 days between agents. It is important to keep in mind that there were not standardized delirium management practices in this study, but use of sedation and analgesia was consistent among the two groups. As Tong and colleagues point out, if adverse events are the same among antibiotics, selection will often be based 
on likelihood of covering causative pathogens, ease of storage and administration, and dosing frequency. I think that one additional important takeaway point from this study is that in searching for the safer antibiotic, we have to be mindful that all antibiotics put patients at risk for adverse events. Therefore, it is important to ensure that the antibiotics we are prescribing are not only appropriate, but dosed correctly based on the patient's renal function and administered for the shortest possible duration to treat the patient's infection. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Days on Digest. I hope you have a wonderful weekend.